30% of all first responders develop behavioral health conditions such as depression, PTSD, and other mental health issues. It's estimated that between 125 and 300 police officers commit suicide every year. 6.6% of first responders have attempted suicide at least once, and this is 10 times the rate of the general population. Introducing the Protectors, inside criminal minds from around the world. Presented by the IAFCI, leaders in safeguarding consumers from fraud and scams for more than 50 years. And now your hosts, International President Mark Solomon and Chairman of the Board Michael Carroll. Hello everyone and welcome to IAFCI Presents the Protectors Podcast. This is Mark Solomon, President of the International Association of Financial Crimes Investigators. I am here with special co-host April DeValconeer, who is our chapter president of the Wisconsin chapter, the IFCI. Welcome, April. How are you doing? Thanks, Mark, for having me again as a co-host. I appreciate it. And I'm excited for our female leader here that you're going to introduce here momentarily. Absolutely. And before we introduce our guests, I just want to reach out to our listeners and say this is such an important topic that needs to be heard. It needs to be heard in the law enforcement community, the first responder community, but also in our community itself. Everyone needs to know the difficult pressures and stress that law enforcement, first responders, military face every single day. You know, they put their lives on their line. And again, they see things that sometimes can be very horrible. And when most people are running from danger, these people are running towards it. So I'm very honored to introduce our first guest. Absolutely, Mark. Looking forward to it. All right. Today's guest has a very critical message to those in law enforcement or our first responders or in the military. She is a 19-year veteran of the Chicago Police Department, and she's also the founder and CEO of Resilient Heroes. April and I would like to welcome to the show, Liz Pohl. Hi, guys. How are you? Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for being on the show. We really appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to start things off with April. Thanks, Mark. I'm excited, Liz, for you to be here and explain about Resilient Heroes. Can you tell us more about the organization? Sure. So it is a not-for-profit organization, and we focus on trauma and suicide mostly psychoeducation, informing the public, and we want to inform first responders and the public about trauma and suicide as it relates to law enforcement, firemen, medics, all first responders, and civilians as well. Can you tell us why you started the Resilient Heroes? So I have 19 years on the job with the Chicago Police Department, and I have a master's in forensic psychology. I started to see that Early on in my career, we were having a really big problem with a threat that was bigger than dying in the line of duty, and that's suicide. And I started to see how so many individuals were affected by a lot of different factors in their life, especially the job, and how whether people were coping in the right ways or not, um, they were taking their life by suicide. But Originally, the chatter that was occurring in roll calls or it was occurring in the departments, whether it be on the street training, wherever, the chatter among all of our fellow officers was, you know, trying to find an answer, one specific reason as to why someone would do this, right? And not ultimately understanding how this would even unravel, 
how such a thing would happen. There are a lot of reactions that people have when someone takes their life. There's a lot of, you know, sadness, there is shock, there's anger, there's confusion. I mean, people just don't even understand like how and why someone would do such a thing. So that's really where it started for me. And with my background in psychology, I really just wanted to start going into really trying to get a lot of information and understand the entire idea of how someone unravels and how this comes about. So I ended up getting trained and I do suicide psychological autopsies, which are taking cases where we are going back to the individual's life and trying to piece together, ultimately answer three questions. Why suicide? Why that day? And why those means? And through interviews and gathering a lot of information, a lot of data, I compile a report and we start to see, as we interview certain people, we see all the risk factors that are present. And Liz, you know, I, I appreciate this incredible organization and what you're doing. And I, I spent 26 years in law enforcement before retiring and going to the uh, private sector. But, you know, one of the things I, I love about what you're doing is you have the ability to reach out to other police officers, other first responders. And, you know, sometimes it's only those people that understand truly what they're going through. And to have a resource like you and your organization to talk cop to cop or first responder to first responder, I think is so important. Yeah, I feel that it's important for us to not only speak to each other, but the knowledge is necessary. Just as they give us tools to go out and do our job you know, the tools that we have on our belt or whatever, we need the tools such as the knowledge on what happens when we come on this job and we're experiencing all these difficult situations, critical incidents. There's so much trauma that we're enduring and no one's really telling us what we're supposed to do with that. We don't know how to process that and it takes over and in a lot of cases we're stuck and we're not able to move forward. And so that is where a lot of it all begins and we ultimately have layers and layers of issues that we are not working through, and then ultimately we end up in this really horrible place where we have people dying by suicide. And if we can just get the message out that if we start to explain and psychoeducate, train individuals to really understand all that goes into it and how we can actually avoid or prevent this if we navigate in a different way, we will have better results. All right. So just out of curiosity, you said earlier, though, that this is not just for law enforcement, that you can do this for private sector as well. So how does that affect the private sector aspect of individuals? So we're seeing critical incidents happen, not just in law enforcement or overall other first responders. We're seeing critical incidents happen in grocery stores now, at schools, at retail malls. We have employees, security guards for these companies that are literally just getting up, going to work, and they are now caught in the traumatic situation of a critical incident. People are getting shot. Um, there's violent attacks, robberies. This is real, and it's happening. And then they're not even prepared for this, right? They're dealing with this before the first responders even arrive on scene, and now, after it's all said and done, no one's really paying attention or asking, hey, how's that 20-year-old 
who's working or 50-year-old that was dealing with this scenario in the store, how are they doing? How are they able to come back and process what has occurred and understand that they're having a normal reaction to a very abnormal situation? And that's, I think, where we get stuck as human beings. We, we don't realize that this is how we're supposed to function and how we're supposed to react. We're supposed to be able to have emotional reactions. We're supposed to struggle a little bit. And it just varies, though, from person to person. Some people are a little more resilient, and they can come back from it. Others take a little longer, and they might need more resources. So ultimately, though, handling it and dealing with it is what we need to do in order to move past the incident and get to a healthier place in life. Mm. So Liz, uh, when we were prepping to do this podcast show, um, we did a lot of research uh, on this topic, and I want to share some statistics with our audience and listeners to how serious this problem is. 30% of all first responders develop behavioral health conditions such as depression, PTSD, and other mental health issues. It's estimated that between 125 and 300 police officers commit suicide every year. 6.6% of first responders have attempted suicide at least once, and this is 10 times the rate of the general population. So Liz, this is such a monumental problem, and how do we reach out to these officers, these first responders that are struggling? How do we get to them before it's too late? So I think that knowledge is the most important thing. It sounds so cliche, but it's true. If we don't have the information and we don't know what is going on, what our options are, what to do, how can we fix anything? I think ultimately with first responders, we're thrown out into this environment where we have to just respond and we do our job and we carry the job out. But there are a lot of horrific things that we see. There's a lot of trauma that we endure and everybody just kind of goes back to work, and they keep functioning, and they carry out their duties. But we need to have first responders understand that the trauma that we're enduring is something that is not normal situations. These are very abnormal situations, but we are having normal responses to what we're enduring. We need to have individuals understand that the risk factors that are involved, the protective factors that are missing, these are the things that will have individuals start to go down a negative path and potentially want to take their lives. If we start to train and we start to have the conversation with individuals that, like, listen, we know you're handling it, you're able to get up, function, and go back to work tomorrow, but you need to have better self-care. And that self-care comes with talking and training individuals about mental health and talking about what it is that the body endures when they go through trauma and what you can expect. We need to mitigate those stress factors. Yeah, and you know, it can manifest in in so many different ways through alcoholism, drug abuse, uh, divorce. So like I said, it is going to come out in some way, some manner without there being some sort of intervention or help. And just to remind everybody, it's not just the first responder themselves. It's everyone, right? So everyone knows a law enforcement officer or a first responder or someone in the military that this could also be beneficial for. Yeah, we are seeing, obviously, that this is happening in different communities, right? We're seeing trauma with critical incidents in schools and the grocery stores, on the street, everywhere. It's in your face. You have social media that really just 
highlights what's going on and everyone's just seeing this and hearing it about it. People are afraid. And unfortunately, if we just suppress these traumas and we just, you know, shove them and turn them away and ignore them, we're not dealing with the issue. If you have a medical issue, we deal with it. We don't just let it get worse for the most part, right? But if you have trauma and you don't deal with it, it is going to come out one way or another. It's a matter of when, not if. Liz, can you give us some indication as to what the underlying issues of trauma and suicide are as it relates to law enforcement? So the issues are we're not addressing the fact that as human beings, when we experience these traumas, there are things that happen to our body, to our mind, and we need to address those issues. Um, We need to not just continue to think that we can just jump back in and, and function and we're okay and be in denial and you know, suppress it all, it's there. It's not going to go away, especially these real critical incidents or even cumulative trauma, you know, trauma that you keep experiencing over and over, you know, through time. It's going to come out. You need to understand that you have to deal with it and there have to be resources that you need to seek in order to work through those issues. So Liz, another statistic I found very interesting is that in this study of law enforcement officers, that around 80% of them did reach out to somebody else and tell them that they were suffering either from PTSD, suicidal ideations, and we're getting a lot better, it seems like, in the profession. Um, This was such an untalked about thing, hidden thing, you know, the the old days of, hey, suck it up, you know, uh, tough it out. But, you know, There are opportunities here. There are opportunities still to get this message out to law enforcement, to first responders, to to military, that there is people out there to help you, that you should not be embarrassed about this. But if we could get more and more responses and and requests for help, how do we do that? You're absolutely right when it comes to the whole idea of, you know, we've come a long way. We have, but we still have a lot of work to do. Um, I think that it's important for individuals to know that the days of suck it up buttercup, that's done. Like the world evolves, we evolve. We have to. And talking to someone, whether it's a peer or a supervisor or a coworker, is one step to try to get some kind of help. I know it's not easy. This is not an easy topic. It's a very tough topic, especially when it comes to suicide. But we've been going about it in circles over and over and over, doing the same thing, expecting different results, and here we are. You know what I mean? We need to start helping people understand what is available. What is available to you or the next person? It's not one size fits all. It varies. So you need to understand what resources are available out there for you, how to look for those resources, what's available? Do people even know what EMDR is? It's not just always going to do psychotherapy. How do we ultimately just deal with what's happening to us and go get help for it? In regards to that, Liz, what are the different current projects that you guys are working on through your organization? So I've been working with some departments with training. Um, I have been out to Florida and I am working with a couple of organizations out there. Love to give a shout out to Kevin Lynch, who has done amazing, amazing work for first responders around this country with the Quell Foundation. 
I mean, incredible. They're really just trying to break the stigma. And I have not seen anyone do such an amazing job as they have. Um, we're working with Lynn University with some mental health future clinicians and getting them trained when they're going through their graduate programs and working with population of first responders. Um, and then there are a couple other things in the works. And um, I do a lot of work where I take Arlo, my 200-pound Mastiff, who is a trained therapy dog, who is a gentle giant, and I like to say that he shares that commonality with a lot of the first responders where he's like this giant, tough, you know, like beast on the outside. But, you know, he has a real great, gentle heart and soul in the interior. So well, that's uh, awesome. And we actually have Arlo here in uh, the location with us. Uh, Arlo, do you want to say anything? That's not him. It was just me. He doesn't bark, I guess, apparently, right? He's, he's not a barker. He's so lazy and gentle and just like a calm soul. Like he just, nah, nothing bothers him. He doesn't really like, maybe if you say treat, he'll start running over. Want a treat? Oh my God, he's running at me. Oh my God, he's huge. <laughs> he's a horse. He's not yeah. a dog. <laughs> 200 pounds of love who thinks he's um, a tiny chihuahua or something. <laughs> And you're here with your husband as well, correct, Peter? Yes, He's a sergeant with Chicago PD and uh, supports, obviously, your organization. He uh, is my ultimate support. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we thank both of you guys for your service and what you're doing to protect uh, those that uh, need help, that are suffering through this and feel like there's no way out. Uh, there is. There is a way out. And for any law enforcement officer, first responder, any military person, or any citizen, think they're going through something that they can't handle, you can, you got to get help, you got to seek help, and you will be okay. Life is too important, too valuable, and like I said, the help is waiting for anyone out there. Please reach out. Uh, how do we get a hold of your organization? So you definitely can find us on the web. My website is wwwresilient heroescom um, You'll also be able to find me on Twitter and LinkedIn, which I will have listed. And then you, there's contact forms. You could always reach out to us. And I mean, listen, ultimately, we just want to make sure that we can help anyone that we can. So even if you know a fellow officer, paramedic, firefighter, dispatcher, any first responder that needs some kind of help, and you don't even know where to begin, you could always reach out to us because we know different resources that we can give you and steer you into their direction. Yeah. Liz, we really appreciate that. It is such an important resource to even know where to start. So we thank you for giving that to us. Thank you. So Liz, uh, we are going to put uh, Resilient Heroes contact information and website on the show notes for our listeners. And Liz, if there's somebody going through something immediate, uh, where they're feeling suicidal, uh, obviously we want you to reach out to hospitals, your supervisors, whoever it is, get that immediate help that you need. Uh, it will get better. Uh, it's just we don't want you to ignore it anymore. Go out there, seek the immediate help. You have a great organization here that is willing to support you as well. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And there are individuals who fortunately have had a second chance after attempting suicide very rare that we have those cases, but we do have individuals that, after the fact, have come back, gotten their resources that they needed, gotten the help, and have turned their lives around completely. 
And talking to these individuals really supports this theory that no matter how bad it feels like it's getting and how you feel like you're the only one, which really you're not, there's so many individuals out there struggling, no matter how bad it seems and how much hope you start to lose, for sure there's a, a way to come back from it, to make it better. It may be tough, no lie, it's going to be tough and it's work, but you can come back from it. So Liz, I want to thank you again uh, for coming on the show and sharing your expertise. And again, this is not a, a message of sadness, this is a message of hope that we want to reach out to those that are struggling. There are people there for you. Like I said, we love what you're doing and we're honored to have you on the show. And we wish you all the best in the future in this company. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right. Well, April, this was a very moving um, episode. And, and like I said, we know there's so many that uh, go out there every single day and they are heroes. Uh, they go out there, protect our communities, and sometimes they suffer greatly uh, because of what they do and what their profession is. So, But a story of hope. We want anybody out there that needs help to reach out, get the proper help, reach out to organizations like Liz's. Life will go on. Life will get better. Absolutely. It's such an important resource, Liz. We appreciate everything that you're doing, uh, not just here locally in Chicago, but all across the country. Thank you so much. All right. Well, you know what? Before we go, I have to thank our listeners for tuning in for this very special podcast. Be safe out there. And again, if you have an idea for a topic or you have a, a fraud or financial or a relevant topic for the protectors, we're here. Send us an email at IAFCI protectors podcast at gmail.com. And April, I have to ask you and put you on the spot. Where can they find our podcast? Anywhere they listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and Stitch. Stitcher. 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 All right. <laughs> so yeah, any, any type of podcast platform, we're going to be on it. Please subscribe, spread this word so other people hear it. Our goal here is to reach out to the public, reach out to those to educate them, make them aware. And I can't think of a, a better topic than this one today. So I'm going to sign off from Connecticut. This is Mark Solomon. And April DeVolcanier from Wisconsin. Thank you for having me as a special co-host today. Appreciate everybody listening. And we'll talk to you real soon. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Remember, as you join the fight to protect our citizens, you're not alone. With more than 6,500 members from around the world, the men and women of the IAFCI are standing together with you. To learn more or to join the IAFCI, please visit our website at www.iafci.org. The Protectors Podcast is produced by Modified Media and is available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. The hosts and guest opinions are their own and do not reflect those of management, employers, or sponsors. Listeners are encouraged to contact law enforcement if they suspect being a victim of a crime.